the Pennyworth Podcast on TV Podcast Industries, Episode 4, Lady Penelope. Should we drink that? She could have put knockout drops in it or something. Poison the tea? Never. But Raven Society might be a bad lot, but they're not bloody Italians. I expect her boss will phone his boss and then they'll send a few gunmen to fetch us. A few? Well, we only need one. Welcome back, Governors, to this episode of Pennyworth, Lady Penelope. So, should I say, welcome back, chauffeurs or drivers <laughs> um, of that esteemed pink vehicle from uh, the Thunderbirds. Mm-hmm. Yes, we are on our fourth episode review of Pennyworth on the Pennyworth podcast on TV Podcast Industries Really good episode. Uh, I am one of your hosts, John. <laughs> you forgot what you were supposed to I say did, there, didn't you? Yes. <laughs> I'm one of your hosts, Derek. I kind of forgot what I was about to say there as well. I've just been resisting the urge to do an impression of Parker from uh, from Thunderbirds because I kind of think the Lady Penelope relationship with Parker, her chauffeur, is what this whole name came from for this episode because we have Martha Kane with her chauffeur, Alfred, uh, who future chauffeur will say. Uh, yes, my lady. That's pretty close. That's pretty good. I didn't see the two of them um, tangling up their threads uh, on, on Thunderbirds. Though, yeah, so no different... tongue action in Thunderbirds <laughs> uh, at all. No. Yes. should be ashamed of yourself, Alfred. <laughs> uh, but we are on our fourth episode of Pennyworth uh, so far. And thanks to all of you who have come over and subscribed to us on the podcast mm-hmm. it's really good to have you on board great to get the feedback through it as well uh, and again just another shout out please subscribe share the podcast share the love uh, you can do that through tvpodcastindustries.com mm-hmm. where you can join any straight-laced or groovy podcast catchers of your choice we are on spotify apple podcasts or google podcasts whichever you want to do yes yeah. And for feedback, we have a whole range of different ways you can get in touch. You can send us email, feedback at Mm tvpodcastindustries.com. We have our voicemail tab on the right-hand side of the screen when you head on over to our website over at tvpodcastindustries.com. And, of course, we have our Facebook group and Facebook page as well. Yes. Just head on over to Facebook and search TV Podcast Industries. Mm-hmm. You can go to facebook.com slash group slash TV Podcast Industries now. And this is the second episode we're recording this week. And I'll tell you, it will settle down. I promise it will. I know it will for all of our, all of our fellow governors out there. It will settle down. But I've been getting so many messages, more messages about, is there another episode coming out today? Um, then actually people asking about the episodes or telling their feedback about the episodes everybody seems to be really confused about when episodes air for this show partly because epics was trying to reward people who subscribed to the channel early so they gave them three episodes early and then they were trying to sub- trying to reward people that didn't subscribe early but give them an extra episode which is why we have episode four the episode we're recording right now the second episode we're recording this week but i'm assured from now on every sunday night at 9 p.m eastern standard time on the Epics channel, you will have a brand new episode of Pennyworth 
five through to ten, one a week, every week from now on. So it'll settle down. Everybody can just relax in front of the telly, watch ah, the episode. Finally, a rhythm has yeah. come to the scheduling. We love the rhythm. We yes, love the rhythm. Rhythm is good. Uh-huh. It allows you to digest and then go on to the next. You know, chit chat about it for the for the remainder of the week, and and then come to the next episode wondering, yeah, did they get it right? Did they get it wrong? Is my theory correct? Uh, what's going on here? Yeah, um, yeah really uh, great now that they've settled into a rhythm for Absol- sure. Absolutely, and I don't. I, obviously, I have no problem with streaming shows and all that kind of stuff. They can do it whatever way they want to when they release these episodes. I just think the idea of doing one episode a week, great. The idea of doing. Um, Every episode of the show released on one day, that's absolutely fine as well. But I think everybody was getting confused because three episodes came out first on the app, then two episodes on the TV channel, then uh, an episode released once a week from now on. It's very confusing for a lot of people, and that's why I've been getting the questions. I think I might have set our tag wrongly because some people think we actually work for Epics as well. (laughs) (laughs) No, we don't. Uh, And dare I say it, uh, you know, getting back to old school, which in itself is old school. Mm -hmm. Yes. Absolutely. But... Speaking of old school, let's get back to our discussion about this episode of Pettyworth. Yes, Derek, what are some of the episode details? Well, the episode was directed by China Mu Young, a UK director. Um, she worked with all of the big UK channels when she was working in the UK. I love this because that a lot of people think we only have BBC over in the UK and Ireland. We have loads of channels over here. Um, she started out working on The Misfits for E4. Uh, then she went over to Secret Diary of a Call Girl for ITV. Then she did Call the Midwife and 13 for BBC. And then she worked on Humans for Channel 4, which was a co-production with an American uh, programming channel called AMC, who you might know from The Walking Dead. Um, So she worked that co-production there when humans and then she started working in the u.s so you can kind of see how her path progressed to working in the u.s Uh, in the last three years she's actually directed a couple of episodes of a show called harlots for hulu and three episodes of the rook for stars and now she's on pennyworth so uh, for epics so moved around to a lot of the u.s um streaming services and streaming sites that's kind of cool as well so nice nice path yeah uh, interesting path absolutely with the humans and with uh, misfits yeah yeah good path. all the way all the way up through to to the rook on stars as well which is pretty cool uh, great job there Shannon Moo young uh the episode was written by bruno heller i'm going to keep saying it every episode because i have a feeling at some point he's not going to write an episode <laughs> but right now he's written the first five episodes of the show we know that for a fact so really cool to have him still on board showing his vision for the show uh john do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for this episode sure The noseless Lord Harwood, bruised, battered and broken, scrounges the streets of London after his run-in with the barber, but is adopted by an artful dodger. Meanwhile, still afraid of the big, bad bet, Sykes, Esme shacks up with Alfred's parents to stay safe as Alfred and his new employer, Martha Kane, take a train ride into the countryside. Up north, a restless bet Sykes has had enough of her sister's clientele and candlesticks, and heads back to London to return from the dead and reunite with Esme. Mm. On assignment, Alfred and Martha have a run-in with the unfriendly villagers and maypole dancers of Borton Wasset, who try and stop them from discovering the identity of the new leader of the Raven Society, who turns out to be masquerading as a doctor at the local hospital. Having obtained their intel, Alfred and Martha head back to London, where they exchange a kiss and further tragedy strikes for Alfred at his and Esme's new home. There are some massive moments in this episode, obviously, <laughs> as, as you can tell from the synopsis. We're not going to go into all of them straight away. Um, the way we've been talking about our podcast, 
is because this show is set back in the 60s. There's lots of questions about the past of Alfred. So we're going through our top five questions uh, about the episode. Things that popped up, answers we have by the end of the episode, and some that we don't, some that will be answered hopefully in the future. Um, my first question for you, John, possibly you might know the answer to this before we get into our top five questions. Is there a town called Borton Wasset in the UK? I have no idea. I don't either. I have no idea at all. It might be one of these tiny little villages that existed for six months and then got incorporated into a bigger town. I have no idea. The only reason I say that village as well is because on the hospital um, Mm -hmm. where the Raven Society leader was masquerading as a doctor, um, it says... Such and such hospital, Barton Wasset. Very good. Okay. And I may it, maybe it's Barton Wasset uh-huh. or whatever. I don't know, but so that's why we have Barton Wasset. Excellent, excellent. Good pair of eyes on you there, John. Absolutely, <laughs> Let's, sharp as an eagle. Exactly, exactly. Let's get into some of the discussions about our American eagles in the show. Nice one. Um, question number one: Did Martha Kane know Thomas Wayne before this episode? It's a big question because. Now, Alfred actually specifically called it out in episode three. Do you know a guy called Thomas Wayne? And she said no. Um, I think at the beginning of this, we get that answer that it is no. She doesn't know Thomas Wayne personally is kind of how she answered that question. But she may have been aware of his name. What do you think, John? Yeah, it's a difficult one to know, isn't it? Because if they are spies, then, you know, they, they have that whole shroud of that conversation that specific conversation so that they can authenticate each other's identity yes so she may have been aware that her boss was coming but had never met him because Mm -hmm. he's kept anonymous so this could have been actually the first time that she had met him and sort of spoken with him directly uh, even though he could have been giving her orders and assignments all the way back for however long so I, I would say that she probably didn't, but it, it did kind of raise an eyebrow to think, oh, you know, maybe she did and maybe she was lying because it was simply to get Alfred on board. Yeah. Uh, but certainly, um, I think she probably wasn't lying. I think she didn't know him and this is the first meeting because we do have that really interesting conversation uh, where, you know, they're asking about where they come from mm-hmm. in the US uh, and we have Thomas saying Gotham. Uh, and she's kind of like going, is it true? All those kind of scare stories. And yeah. he goes, Gotham will be the Zurich of the Eastern Seaboard. So interesting stuff. Yeah, there. showing yeah, his I, love for Switzerland. As we know from as we know from yeah, Gotham, exactly. Thomas Wayne has got a cabin in Switzerland that is regularly visited by Alfred and Bruce over the years. So showing his little love for the safety of Switzerland uh, in his in his proclamation that Gotham will be like Zurich in in two decades. But I suspect his aspirations for Gotham will be dashed on the rocks of reality in the near future. (laughs) Yeah. Um, For sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Unfortunately, it won't become the Zurich of the Eastern Seaboard. It will probably become the kind of slum city of the eastern seaboard well yeah yeah there's nowhere nowhere like gotham i think or uh, the differential between rich and poor of the eastern seaboard so it'd be like the city of london maybe <laughs> i don't know about that later <laughs> but uh, since we live in switzerland since we're only about an hour away from zurich we know that zurich is a very safe very quiet kind of town so i can't well, it's imagine not a town, it's a city it's a city that's right but it feels like a little town um yeah but 
I can't imagine Gotham ever attaining that status, though. But I do like the traditional optimism of Thomas Wayne appearing in this show. He's he's a philanthropist in in the, the past in the comics. The little bits we know about him is that he is a person that does care about the public and cares about fixing things by using his powers to do it. Do so. He's kind of a champion for the underdog. So the idea that he would think that Gotham's going to fall off a cliff into darkness, yeah, that probably would go against <laughs> what we do know about him. Yeah, I mean, they have a really kind of interesting conversation as well here i think one of the ones that struck me was just how um you know he gives her a gun he gives all the stuff that she needs for this new assignment Mm -hmm. which is to find out who the new leader of the raven society is now that lord harwood has kind of gone to ground and had his nose chopped off and is now sort of begging for doggy treats Mm -hmm. uh, in the back alleys of of london with his new artful dodger uh, kind of, I don't know, chaperone um, or something like that, you know. So he gives her a gun, and I think the interesting thing that we find here is that the No Name League thinks that Alfred is worth the investment in the money. And, Very interesting. Um, and yeah, yeah it, it really is. And to some extent, maybe that suggests that Thomas, at this moment in time, doesn't. I mean, who who knows that you know he's just following uh, the the orders of, of his boss who is the leader of the no-name league okay Uh, maybe that's the case but certainly the way thomas uh approaches it with martha who's concerned that you know she's just been given a gun and her deal with alfred is no guns he goes well just pay him extra the league thinks he's worth it Mm -hmm. um so that that's kind of interesting is it just the league or you know does thomas still got you know he's kind of neutral about it really because i think that's the thing that at the moment the main interaction here is with Martha, but I, I like this kind of idea of the relationship not being that immediate, that it takes time to yeah. digest and evolve, and actually may come through Martha. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, with Alfred, absolutely, yeah. Because this is the first time we've heard for definite that Thomas works for the No Name League. Uh, we didn't get that confirmation in the first couple of episodes. We know he was trying to recruit Alfred to this organization, but never said what the organization was. We found out last episode that Martha works with the No Name League, and now we find out here that he is also in the No Name League. So they're both on the same side, effectively, trying to battle against the Raven Society by finding out who their leader is. So uh, so we're getting a lot of information between them. I love the conversation between the two of them where Tom Thomas is trying to work out why a woman such as Martha Martha Kane would join the No Name League, and she just kind of goes, or he says, "It's a calling." They, he he agrees with everything that they they stand for, and she kind of says, "Well." I get bored easily. And then a little bit later on, when Alfred asks her why she's involved, she says it's a long story. One of, one of a couple of times she says it's a long story so she doesn't have to explain herself. So there's once again, she does feel like that uh, traditional spy, I suppose, who's not willing to give up any information to anybody. The tight lips kind of spy. I think that's kind of cool. So Yeah, I mean, but she does give some information up to Alfred as well. And, and obviously what we will come to a bit later is maybe at least with Alfred, she is putting down those barriers a bit. Mm-hmm. And actually with Thomas at the moment, it is purely working relationship yeah. rather than um, a romance uh, and a connection in that sense. Yeah. I think the other thing, just quickly coming back on the, the No Name League, I'm glad they said the name of that society again because I always thought it was the No Name Society. Yeah. Yeah. Because when Thomas did say 
the League think he is, I immediately thought of the League of Shadows, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh my goodness, what's going on Absolutely. here? Uh, and, but is Rachel Gould going to arrive yeah, exactly. suddenly? And, yeah. So I'm glad that it kind of got clarified, really. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's a couple of things they've done in the show in the last couple of episodes where you're going, I know you're writing all the scripts, Bruno Heller, so you have it in your head exactly who these characters belong and what box they all belong in, but you may need a character to be on screen just to go, what we're talking about here is the No Name League, because... <laughs> We hear the league and we think of something completely different from DC Comics. Um, one of the couple of things that I just want, one or two other little tiny things to pull out here. Um, he says he's from Gotham and indi- and she indicates that she went to Duke University. Uh, Duke University is in North Carolina. Uh, there's a couple of Air Force bases around the area and a couple of Army bases around the area, which would kind of make sense that she would have gone to college near to Army or Air Force if her father was in, in the war and traveled a lot. So I like they have that little connection there, even though it's just one line from him where he says, oh, you went to Duke. Oh, OK, um, go demons, he says. And she says, no, no, it's it's devils in, in Duke. So uh, so it's just a nice touch. She calls back to it later on that she is the child of a traveling soldier, effectively. Yeah, so that's she why calls she him a lifer roots. as well. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, which is something that Alfred kind of, you know, is kind of intrigued by because he's like, 10 years was long enough for me. Um, and so, yeah, that that's a nice little yeah. bit of intonation uh, between these two. And I, I think, again, just making that distinction between maybe how Martha sees um, the army and soldiers yeah. because of her father and how Alfred does with his um, knowledge and experience uh, in the jungle, but also with Davy Boy and Baza. Exactly, exactly. And finally, the other tiny bit of information that came out here importance because we probably thought it was a bit shadier than it actually was on the show we were wondering whether lord harwood is actually the leader at all or whether he was just covering up for the leader as all good third or fourth in commands do um he's he was the leader actually so he's been taken out and they needed a new leader in here so uh, so we do have a new leader in this episode because he's gone so it wasn't as shady as we thought no and i'm intrigued <laughs> to see what happens to him because mm-hmm. he is on the streets now um, which I find interesting, mm-hmm. you know, his, his kind of his power, his wealth has been completely stripped. And is this the the kind of thing that breaks a man to get that, um, you know, supervillain won't be the right word, but that that antagonist yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to Alfred, um, which could be really interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, is this again, we've kind of said this with Bet Sykes. Is she Alfred's Joker? Is Lord Harwood Alfred's? Uh, Mad Hatter or something like yeah. that you know certainly you would think he's probably going to get driven to insanity mm-hmm. through um, living on the streets and being someone's pet effectively so yeah, uh, yeah. it'd be interesting to see if they carry that through or whether we're kind of finishing with Lord Harwood I suspect not to no, be honest because no, it's a so. big actor yeah. so uh, yeah, yeah I think, I think, I think we'll see Jason Fleming yeah. possibly with a metal nose in future at some point, That'd it gets the awesome. replacement metal nose. Yeah. Um, let's get on to question number two, John. Yes, who is the new leader of the Raven Society? Yeah, I think this kind of covers the actual uh, mission of Alfred and, and Martha going off to this small town. Um, they have the contact that gets murdered at the at the train station, at, at King's Cross station, uh, saying the last words on his dying lips of the darkness. Uh, really cool little <laughs> moment. And I love that it leads into this really weird uh, thing when they get into the small town of, of all of these people that are watching on as they travel through the town. It turns out the darkness is actually the tea rooms uh, in the yes, circle town. the darkness tea rooms. <laughs> yes. What a fantastic thing. This whole village to me was perfect. It was 
Hot Fuzz crossed with Wicker Man. Mm -hmm. uh, Just a really sense of dark, rural darkness and weirdness. Um, You know, you've got the Maypole, you've got the Maypole dancers, (laughs) you've got um, the Darkness Tea Rooms, you've got all this kind of, you know quiet village but people standing around watching and uh, it really fits into that kind of horror genre or, or um, from britain such as the wicker man yeah and which hot fuzz successfully emulated uh, as a comedy yeah, yeah you yeah. know a dark comedy at that and mm-hmm. it, it is a really um great little sort of nod to that wicker man type horror yeah you know and um, the hills of eyes that kind of thing well like you know i'm a city boy i'm from dublin city you know and going to small towns in the uk or ireland there is always that moment when you get off the train and you come into a small town where everybody knows each other everybody's eyes are on you the minute you get off that bus or get off that train or get out of the car because you're something brand new in the local area and nobody knows who you are until you've identified yourself as a friend of someone from the town. You're the weird one. But to your eyes, everybody in the town is staring at you from the moment, moment you arrive. So so it has formed the basis of so many great sci-fi and, and fantasy and, and fiction novels in the UK and Ireland, definitely, particularly. And in the US, obviously, they also have that idea of the southern counties where it's a much smaller town. There's much uh, much smaller number of people they've had tons and tons of horrors based in small towns in in the US as well so it's just that idea of being in a place where everybody knows each other but they don't know you so what does that mean you know yeah no absolutely but it it turns out that the darkness tea rooms has a gun toting proprietor (laughs) um, who gets shot through the the chest Mm -hmm. Um, but I like how Alfred operates here in this town he likes to draw attention to himself he's trying to get noticed as well He's trying to get captured. You know, for him, the, the, the quickest route from A to B is just to get captured, miss out the middlemen, mm-hmm. and get to the front of the queue uh, with the leader saying, what are you doing? You know, and I like that that's kind of his modus operandi yeah. here is let's just get caught. Let's make a fuss. <laughs> let's uh, stand out. Yeah. Um, because... That's how we're going to find out who the new leader of the Raven Society is. And, I mean, the moment that they kind of leave the the darkness tea rooms, I think that chase scene is just great. I I loved it. I thought it was really dynamic, Mm -hmm. the jumping over the walls. I mean, one of the guys who's chasing them before the maypole dancers come in to attack them uh, he does a proper run and leap over the wall. It yeah. felt really, really good, this this chase scene, and I really liked it. I know what you mean. It felt really dynamic, and, and again, given there's not a huge amount of gunplay and there's no big car chase going on in this scene, it do, it shouldn't feel as dynamic as it is. It, it's really well filmed, really well put together as a scene. It feels it feels really actiony in the middle of this of this. Uh, of the small town in, in the UK, you know, I think it's really a really well done scene and really, really enjoyed seeing these together. Uh, you're right. That whole thing about Alfred as well. There's a certain intelligence to, to a character that kind of goes, right, we're going to arrive in this town. They've already killed our contact. So they know we're coming. So all we need to do is look at the people that are looking at us and make one of them take us to their leader, because that's what they're going to do anyway. So we might as well just not, not play about, just go and do it basically. So it's a certain amount of intelligence to completely read your enemy and every step they're going to go through and just choose the steps you want to choose out of their plan to fulfill your plan. I love that he walks up to the other two people that were about to chase them, uh, gives himself up 
and eventually headbutts <laughs> one of the guys in the face because he's given out to him about the woman who shot herself in the head with her own shotgun, remember? It wasn't Alfred that did that, but he's given out too much about that, and Alfred's kind of going, look, I'm here to do business. I Maybe I'll do business that. with you, yeah, <laughs> because is, he can't do business with that me. That is a great scene. It, it's really comedic. It, mm-hmm. You know, he gets punched, and then there's kind of the, the sides swipe as well, and he's like hang on a second, I'm trying to do business here, you know, and then comes in with the headbutt to knock out the the guy. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I really think that was just genius Uh, and so well-timed. You're kind of waiting for the woman to come in with a a straight-off kick to the midriff uh, (laughs) just to disable Alfred. No, she's a much much smarter businesswoman than that. I I definitely like that. Um, Like the attack by the the Maypole dancers as well. Um, I love that they attack (laughs) Alfred, leaving Martha on her own, which gives her the opportunity to just pull her gun out and point at them and going, get out of here, and they both run off immediately. So I do like that they completely underestimate Martha, which is something that we heard a little bit from Alfred. Um, I think Martha calls him oh, you're a general old-fashioned sexist <laughs> to to his face, which he takes as, does that mean I have sex with a lot of people? Because uh, he doesn't have any idea what a sexist is at all, which I really like that that little touch. There's a little bit of innocence in Alfred, even though he's not generally seen as an innocent character. It's because he's effectively saying women are a complete mystery to him. You know, he understands men. Men have to prove themselves and have to go out and find themselves, but women know who they are from when they're born. And Martha's kind of looking at him going hang on a second, you know nothing, and you're an old-fashioned sexist. And that's how the whole thing plays out, and that's why it's interesting with the Maypole dancers ignoring her, and she actually is the one that drives them away. So do like that, that they have a little bit of power in Martha here. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to say, I love the fact that they had Maypole dancers taking out <laughs> Alfred. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean... They are the most evil-looking Maypole yeah, dancers I've ever seen. They're proper scary. I mean, <laughs> I weirdly, I do remember Maypole dancing... Uh, in my neck of the woods growing up. Yeah. Um, and up around in the north of England, right. in the rural areas. Um, because, yeah, it was one of those things. In fact, I, I think, yeah, someone that my brother knew did maypole dancing. Okay. Um, with, but it was all... It was all women mainly, or girls, because it, it's it's a fertility kind of rite. Okay. Uh, it, it's it's done in the spring. It's all about fertility and so on. Now, I think in 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 the UK, it was with you kind of have like ribbons from the yeah, top, yeah. and you wind it round slowly until you come into the middle mm-hmm. and so on. But yeah, I mean, it's really really um, kind of weird. I mean, it's kind of gone now but i do remember that those kind of pagan traditions yeah and um, being around still when when i was a kid and mm-hmm. um, i think in some ways actually coming back because i mean it was like when we went for my mum's 80th birthday and we did the the canal barge ride and we yeah you know, we were at this old market town with a castle in uh, the pennines in northern england and there's a bunch of Morris, yeah, the dancers, Morris dancers, yeah, <laughs> waving their snotty hankies mm-hmm. with the bells on their shoes and all ribbons and someone with like a, a fox hat or kind mm-hmm. of thing. So I mean, yeah, it's proper pagan, yes, and um, and it's all about fertility and completely like, confusing to tourists and people outside. Yeah. So so Martha's question, what's the maypole for? What's it going on here? You know, I totally understand the question. I'm not sure whether um, Alfred's answer is 
exactly right in our world. It might be right in this version of the DC version of the UK uh, that it's just a sex poll, basically. I think it's, it's pretty much how he describes it. Um, but I think, I think for a dance for fertility would probably be much closer to what you'd say, right? Yes. What we guess or what we're told by our parents that it was for, I suppose. Yeah, I, I, I think, well, <laughs> no, I was told it was just a, kind of a pagan dance. Just some dance. I, I wasn't yeah. being told it was for sex, fertility okay. or anything like that. <laughs> I, I mean, it's kind of, it's an evolution of dancing around a tree mm-hmm. um, yeah. in, in the spring to, to bring forth the rites of fertility or something. Right. Okay, interesting, interesting. Yeah. And then you kind of put strangers into a wicker man and burn them alive. Well, that, Sacrifice yeah, maybe Sacrifice to not. their gods. Yay! Maybe not, but I did like, there was a touch in the episode where it, uh, someone tells Alfred that they will just set him on fire on the top of a, uh, one of the guys from the Raven Society says that they're going to set fire to Alfred, which is definitely a reference to the Wicker Man. Oh, big time. Um, so, so I do like that. Let's get back to some of the other stuff that's going on in these scenes with uh, Martha effectively gets injured in this battle um, going on, this chase scene that's going on. She gets injured in the leg and, and Alfred kindly sends her off to the local doctor. But we find out that's the person they've been looking for the whole time. Um, I do like that Alfred works his way up through the other men in the organization, just going, you don't sound like a, like the leader of this organization. And they get somebody else. It's kind of like the I want to speak to your supervisor moment, if you've ever dealt with a customer services operation. And it's like, no, no, I heard you in the background of this call, so you can't be the supervisor. You're just the guy that sits next to the, su- next to the person I've been speaking to. Uh, I love with Alfred where he's wearing the blindfold, but goes, I can see your shoes. Those are not the shoes of the leader of the Raven, <laughs> yeah. Raven Society and makes his way all the way up to meeting the at uh, the head, the new head of uh, the Raven Society, Dr. Francis Gaunt, um, who's a female leader. Um, I think this might be a little reference to the f- now former uh, British Prime Minister, Theresa May, um, because she describes her ascent into this position as the leader of the Raven Society as, well, none of the men wanted it, so I had to stand up and take it, which is what it feels like when Theresa May talks about how she became the Prime Minister. Nobody wanted it. Every leader of every party, when there was the big vote in the UK, every leader of every party left their jobs and walked away, and she was the only person willing to stand up and take the beating that she got for the next two years as Prime Minister of that party, uh, or Prime Minister of the UK. She was the only person willing to stand up. And that's what this character sounds like. That's what Dr. Francis Gaunt sounds like. She didn't particularly want to be leader. She wasn't on the path to it. But it sounds like she just had to stand up and, and take this position. So I think that's quite interesting. Yeah, and Francis Gaunt is played by Anna Chancellor, who mm. um, was in Four Weddings and a Funeral. She was Duckface. Uh, from four weddings That's and a funeral, who she was. and she was in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy as well yes. with Alan Rickman. Yes, um, so yeah, she's she's certainly Duck a stable face. on um, UK television mm-hmm. for sure. You know, she's done something like Downton Abbey. Now it's not something I watch, yep. but. Um, and also, I remember her from Penny Dreadful as Claire Ives ah, as well. Ah, very good. Yeah. Yes, yes. The story kind of revolved around the Ives family, didn't yes, it? Yes, exactly. And yeah. the show, so she's probably a pretty important character in there. But yes, all I remember her from is Duckface. Thanks yeah, for Duck putting that out, I was trying to picture her face and why I knew it so well. Uh, but so I yes. love how she comes across here. It's a very... Um, just the intonation of what she talks about, it's almost like she's kind of scatty. Mm-hmm. She's talking about French doors and so on and all this. And why? But if you want a door, why would you put glass in it? Because that's a window. Mm-hmm. So why do a 
half window, half door. It, it's very odd to me. And, she, you know, she's talking along the, those lines. And, and then she goes, and where did you say that you cut yourself on these French doors? Because I've been to a lot of houses around here and there are no French doors. Exactly. I, she controls this hood. Yeah. And, and uh, <laughs> wow. basically she knows, you know, there are... Orange trees, there mm-hmm. are porches, there are castles, there are pubs, all these different things, but she knows of no house that would have French doors in, <laughs> in the village. Yep. So, you know, there's, there's a, a method uh, to her madness, and I, I think the, the best line for me was where she offers Martha Kane uh, tea. Mm-hmm. I always keep wanting to say Martha Wayne. Oh, I don't. Uh, and because Kane sounds like Wayne, or rhymes with Kane, yeah. or met Wayne, then, yeah, it's like... Well, the official Pennyworth account did put out her photograph after this episode saying, is everybody enjoying seeing Martha Wayne in the show? So <laughs> it's not just us, it's everybody involved in the show. There's been quite a few little jokes going around from the people that are following the account kind of going, even they can't get it right. We all know it's just going to be Martha Wayne. So uh, this isn't the big surprise like Barbara Kane no, in, exactly, in Gotham exactly. eventually uh, becoming Barbara Kane, the mother of Barbara, uh, Barbara Gordon. So um it's not that big big surprise. No. Everybody knows this is going to be the real mother of Bruce Wayne. So. But yeah, just coming back to the, this bit of dialogue, she goes to Martha Kane, tea, you know, and uh, she goes, herbal or Earl Grey? Mm-hmm. And uh, Martha Kane goes, I'll have whatever you're having. And she just replies... I'm having gin. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Which is a great answer. Absolutely. Um, Martha, I'll stick, Martha, I'll stick with the tea, obviously. Um, <laughs> I do like that when Martha's trying to get out of the place as well, she's been, uh, she's been given the injections and been treated as, as the doctor is treating her, as Dr. Gaunt is treating her. And then she realizes that she's in a bit of a bad situation and asks for her clothes back. And Dr. Gaunt goes, no, no, I burnt your clothes. <laughs> You're not getting out of here. You're going to die here, basically. So I really like that that conversation. But I think this is one of the things that really comes from the scene. Um, this this leader is a very strong leader of the society, but what we realize as the whole scene plays out is the Raven Society think that Alfred and Martha are there as assassins to kill their new leader, like they killed Harwood, effectively. They believe that Lord Harwood was killed by the No Name Society. So what we're kind of learning here is that the Raven Society seem to think that the no-name society are trying to physically, violently take all of them out. And potentially that's the whole setup from Detective Inspector Aziz and, and the ruling class. The Prime Minister and the ruling class are trying to pit these two organizations against each other so they'll take each other out. But that's that wasn't the mission for Alfred. It wasn't the mission for Martha. They were there just to find out the name of the new leader, uh, which allows them to kind of escape and kind of get away with a little bit of a little bit of a beating from uh, from Alfred and a very smart moment from uh, from Martha, where he tells her to use all the training that she got when she when she was in college uh, to take out the guys while he takes out everybody else and gets out of there. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah cool. exactly. And it's a good job as well because um, you have that lovely macabre moment where. Um, Francis Gaunt asks the nurse to bring in Tanya, mm. um, and then this jar with a head preserved in 
formaldehyde is there looking back at Martha and and uh, Francis just goes yeah she tried to kill me as well mm-hmm. um, and she wouldn't give anything up so uh, we kept her hairs uh, and Tanya we call her Tanya because she looks Russian exactly um, and it's just because do you know her it's not a trick question because <laughs> none of us know her either she wouldn't give us any information and <laughs> know her head's in a jar but we'd like to have her body buried so if you could tell us who she is we'll th- happily send it back to her family it's a really good really threatening situation yeah, with, it's uh, with wonderfully uh, weird um, this whole thing with Francis Gaunt mm-hmm. and I must say I loved it and with the village yes, definitely exactly another great new character on the show really yeah. really enjoyed seeing this um but that's kind of it from the raven society new leader i'm really excited to see more of this character in the future she's the new leader of of their their uh the new crew effectively as we said last episode it was a really weird moment when you thought has this society gone the ones that are in the yeah. opening credits are they gone now no they're not there's another leader taking their place and it's a very cool one um but let's get on to our third question because there's one massive question that we've been leaving out uh, since the beginning of the podcast john Yes. Did they just kiss? Uh, yeah, they did. They certainly did. Yeah. <laughs> really? Martha and Alfred have just kissed. Interesting. Yeah. Shocking. Very interesting. <laughs> it was planted throughout the episode. You could definitely tell there's, there's an attraction between the two of them. But I just thought it was really bizarre that the kiss would happen, given that we had that whole conversation with Alfred going, he's just gotten engaged and showing Esme's photograph to Martha. Um is she using the traditional tricks in the spy master's book to get Alfred on board on the No Name Society? Is she using everything? You know, she's tried money. She's tried uh, tried making him the hero. She Is she now using the uh, femme fatale uh, abilities well, to get her on board? Is it just a ruse with mm. the femme fatale thing? Or is there something meaningful behind this from Martha? I got the feeling that from Alfred... It was a moment thing, but then he did kind of yeah. pull away and kind of go, I've got to now get back to to Esme. Yeah. Uh, but like the, there was that sense there. Um, so I wonder if he thought this was just a, a, a ruse and whilst, you know, he was still kissing her and, and all that, it was because... Well, her lips were where they were. I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, it's just one of those things, you okay. know. It's like, was there any meaning behind it? And it'll be interesting because, I mean, at this moment in time, her and Thomas Wayne certainly don't have anything. It may be a lonely existence as a field operative yeah. in a foreign country. No explanation for Alfred there, though, John. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, as I say, she has this really good connection with Alfred throughout mm-hmm. the whole of this episode, you know, from the, the Scotch eggs at the bar in the Severed Arms, where Alfred's trying to explain to her what a Scotch egg is, mm-hmm. um, to, you know, the chase scene and the rescue scene, as you say, all that kind of stuff, and sharing bits about her life and her father. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if it's just that, and really, at the end of the day, there's not too much to read into this. But obviously, we'll need to see. It's a bit massive, though, given that uh, he works as her butler for at least the next 10 years. Well, yeah, <laughs> that that would be certainly a little weird. And possibly his best friend. Um, as I say, maybe Thomas and Martha, it's all a big front. Mm-hmm. The whole thing. Maybe. In the end, what's going to come out of this is that the Wayne family mm. 
is a, a front for money for a left-wing organisation, the No oh, Name okay. League. Um, and Alfred is their uh, protector uh, and bodyguard who is going to be there to uh, yeah save them. Except he fails one, one night uh, in an alley as they come back from the opera. Interesting, interesting. Let's just make sure we say that <laughs> the DC universe has multiple realities. Yes, so this could just be an alternate exactly. reality where... Alfred has a relationship with uh, with Martha Wayne before Thomas Wayne does, so it doesn't necessarily mean. Don't worry, doesn't necessarily mean they're rewriting eighty years of canon of canon storytelling where uh, where Thomas and Martha Wayne never get together. This could just be completely alternate reality that we don't actually know what's going on at all in the future. And Wayne Enterprises is trying to do good for society. Mm-hmm. It's, it sees itself as a philanthropic commercial entity um so johnny with yeah. the big words this episode i, know. <laughs> I love it i love it uh, th- that is just probably one of the big questions from the episode i suppose my answer to the question is it's a bit awkward because of everything we think we know about what's going on with the characters there's loads more to the show we're only four episodes into a 10 episode season to begin with and potentially six or seven years of tv storytelling so not going to read too much into yeah. this moment between the two of them Per, a little bit disappointed in Alfred, given that he's just gotten engaged to his girlfriend, who, who they're currently together, right? He hasn't broken up with her a fourth time, has he? No, no. I, I think, I think the, by the well, end of the episode. By the end of the episode, yeah, and I, I think ultimately that's possibly more the issue yeah. with the kiss yeah. at this moment is that it's way too soon, mm-hmm. and he's just gotten engaged to Esme, and you're just there, kind of going. Alfred never seemed like that's the kind of thing he would do. He he would always be this kind of moral, um, you know, have a value on something as to whether you treat someone right or not. Mm-hmm. At least that comes from Gotham and so on. And maybe this is just that lapse that happens. Or maybe this is where he learned that lesson. You know, that's one of the exactly. things, you know, someone who's got great moral standing and great moral uh, abilities later in life usually has gone through moments early in their life that taught them to be that way and this may be a teaching moment but it did seem like oh hang on a second what's going on here um you've just spent three episodes setting up this relationship with the two of them getting them ready to get married esme's been talking about the wedding with uh, with alfred's parents saying both of them need to get involved in the wedding planning and all that kind of stuff and then suddenly you got this moment of the kiss so uh, that seemed like a big shock but there's a bigger shock to come but let's take a little detour after that question, on to another question. Up north again. Ebayek, lads, you smell gorgeous tonight. <laughs> well, who would win in the battle of the Sykes sisters? I think it would be a dead run, actually. I think it would be an even Stevens, uh, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great battle, though, isn't it? <laughs> it's amazing. Um, I just... It, it, it's it's the, you know, the cabin fever that obviously bets... Uh, has here Mm -hmm. Um, and I love the fact she's just I'm sick of you and your clientele coming in here Uh you know with Lulu doing things candlesticks being placed in places uh, areas where candlesticks shouldn't be placed yeah unless it's a temporary kind of uh, you know candlestick holder maybe (laughs) maybe Um, but you know it's just the fight that they have uh, was just really, really good. You know, the 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 radio to the face, and then Beck comes back with the towel, the tea towel around her head, mm-hmm. and slams her into the wall, uh, and and finally, you know, as 
siblings do. The older sister, Peggy, can't let that rest yeah. and, and does uh, another attack on her sister as well. I yeah. just thought it was really, really nicely done. It really is. And I also like, you know, the idea we've had this, we both have, we both have siblings that moment and probably it was me doing it and probably john i can imagine you doing it as well with your family um <laughs> when you have control of the radio or the tv and people are annoying you and you just turn the volume up because <laughs> yeah. that's effectively what's happening with beth she's listening to a song uh, by dusty springfield which i'm going to talk about a little bit in our notes uh, but she's listening to this song and she's really enjoying the song but peggy's telling her to be quiet because she's got a client in the house and she just keeps turning the volume up on the radio <laughs> which is that moment where you're going oh you're really really niggling at your sister here you know you can really tell that she, that the two of them are sisters and i love how the whole thing ends as well as bet leaves the house to head back to london and she's still a bit pissed off really about the fight between the two of them and she goes i'm going back to going back to my friend esme in london and you see peggy kind of going it was just a fight like yeah you're leaving you know, it was just a fight we just beat each other up and beat each other bloody uh for 10 minutes but <laughs> it was just a fight we're still sisters like you know yeah i must say but and the other thing as well bet goes well, i know when i'm not wanted yeah. you know, but i think this is something that the the show gets really well i think it nails actually is that kind of tit for tat slagging if yes you, if yes. you want between people it, it's always it's the sharp retort always it's it's the back and forth of insults that ultimately aren't meant in an insulting way mm. it's just kind of the way of describing the situation and i think you get that here between peggy and bet and you certainly get it with alfred as well yeah and uh, with some of the things he says to to martha i mean i would imagine martha being American, we're probably slapping for some of the things that he's been saying to her, you know, because it's just kind of like really pointed on the nose. But it it's kind of uh, that affectionate slagging that you absolutely. do. Absolutely. Like, I love that moment early on when she's carrying the gun. He doesn't really put up a huge fight to her carrying the gun, given that was the relationship that they had the last episode, that she's not supposed to be carrying a gun. But he says, you got to watch yourself with that. And she goes, oh, the safety's on. And he goes, well, we used to have a good laugh at our mate Raj every time his, he, his name come up in conversations because his last words were the safety's on <laughs> you know real like real good slagging you know i remember when i moved to america and the first the first time i moved out there my friends came over were living with me for a while and they both worked in a restaurant at night and they said that while they were working there both irish guys both known each other since they were kids because of the amount of ribbing that they gave each other and the amount of slagging that they gave each other half of the staff that worked in the restaurant mostly americans thought they hated each other thought that neither of them liked each other but they'd known each other at that stage for about 15 years but they just constantly had a banter and a battle between the two of them that got a little bit excessive at times, I suppose. So I love that they've nailed this in the show. Now, no fisticuffs between the two of them at, at all. It wasn't like the Psych sisters uh, actually taking uh, physical punching and violence to each other. But uh, but they said they were almost like the attraction for all of the staff to watch while they were <laughs> while they were working there at night. So I do like that in the show, definitely. Yeah. Well, with that, on to our fifth and final case note. Mm -hmm. Who killed... Esme Winnicus. First off, Esme is dead, the fourth episode in. What a huge journey that's been crammed into these yeah. four episodes for Esme. Now, we did say that there are times that Esme, as a character, has not really worked on the show. I liked a lot of what was there in this episode, and you know, no fault to the actress at all. Um, it just feels like she was never compatible with Alfred, and I don't know why it went so fast 
yeah, other exactly. than to have this time to show why potentially Alfred never has another proper relationship after this. Yeah, I mean, I actually really thought um, the whole thing with her, with Esme at staying at Alfred's parents was actually really good. I liked the interaction between her and Alfred's dad uh-huh. and then bringing the mum in to organise the wedding. I thought that was really, really nicely done. Um, and, you know, I mean... That was a breakfast from hell that Esme had to sit through. I mean, what, kidneys? Um, I don't think I've ever known kidneys for breakfast. Really? Um, no, it goes in a steak and kidney pie. I mean, I love kidneys, yeah. but I wouldn't have them for breakfast. Yeah, okay. What next? Black Forest Gatto for for dessert breakfast. Is there, no, is there no kidney in, uh, in black pudding? No, that's blood. Okay, just blood. Just blood pudding. Okay, okay. Ooh. Listen, everyone, they are the wonderful treats of British cuisine. <laughs> Blood sausage and fried kidneys. Listen, because of Pennyworth, <laughs> you got an entire plate full of Eccles cakes made by me this week <laughs> to celebrate two episodes of Pennyworth. So at least there's also some great cuisine in the UK as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I was just there going, mm, you know, mm, because it was like, um, yeah, breakfast from breakfast hell. Breakfast kidneys. Um, Maybe think, kippers. I'd just sit with the cornflakes, to yeah. be honest. Um, <laughs> excellent, excellent. But again, just coming back, I think, you know, this is a really big moment for mm-hmm. Alfred and obviously for Esme. And it, there's a, you know an element of mystery around it as well, given that we only see the killer's feet and, and then hands. But for sure... You know, there's a lot of the lead up to this where the actions of Esme just don't really make sense. Yeah. Um, and again, I think that's just trying to put someone in a certain place at a certain time. And it just kind of doesn't flow because after being shown to be terrified to the extent where she has to stay with Alfred's parents whilst he's out of town, she then decides in the dead of night to go and paint flowers on the wall of an empty, isolated uh, apartment. Yeah. And then gets killed for the trouble. I know. I didn't really understand why she would leave the safety of her home, when, particularly when she's been told that Alfred may not be returning that night as well. Um, she leaves a note for him. But we heard him on the phone earlier on going, I'll be back tonight or tomorrow, depending on how this job is going effectively. But he doesn't talk to her again after that. So uh, so it is. it does seem a little odd that she would leave the safety of, of the Pennyworth home. Um, but he did tell her that she was very strong. Earlier, earlier on in the episode when we saw her cowering uh, in the corner before he arrived into the house, he did tell her that she's strong enough to deal with this. She just needs to kind of get over the fear. So maybe that's all going to play in in a future episode. Maybe they'll get a bit more of an explanation as to how badly this is going to affect Alfred, really. Uh, one of the things I did like in the episode, and this kind of where this point came from, the who killed Esme Winnicus, if you go through the episode, and we've seen it twice now, or three times actually now, um, there's quite a few good candidates set up for who could be the killer. It's, it makes it a really good little murder mystery in here for the character of Esme. Yeah, definitely. Um, now, let, let's kind of go through the candidates, John. So for me, the least likely person, but it is still a possibility, is is it Martha Kane or a member of the No Name League that did it? You know, we, we hear that effectively at the beginning, Thomas Wayne, we, we hear him telling Martha, basically under any circumstances, we want Alfred to be part of this yeah, group. At any know, cost. At any cost. And we also see that Martha's very interested in Esme, asks for her name and her photograph, basically. So we know that she's been shown a photograph of Esme. Yeah. Now, not 
casting aspersions on Martha already. She's only been on the show two episodes, like, but we don't know anything about her. She's very quiet about her past and very quiet about what's been going on, only releasing small bits of information to Alfred, not enough to really tell much about her character. Um, I like her. I like the character, but we don't know anything about her at all. So it is a possibility that she took the opportunity to take out Esme. Yeah, I mean, not, I, not, I, not I like a love triangle thing. <laughs> I think it's it's the least likely that it's Martha. I think one up would be that it's someone else from the no name, mm-hmm. um, because I think you know Alfred has just left Martha. Yeah. So um, you know she has to do a, a quick run uh, to the apartment. So I think you know in Agatha Christie kind of style, and <laughs> um, that's probably definitely the least likely. And I'm glad it is because I think then you know if her or the No Name League, or dare I say, even Thomas Wayne, uh, were responsible. That would make then that secret that they keep from him forever, uh, forever, yeah. whilst yeah. he's their butler. I can't imagine. I, I just think that would be potentially just really just not a great kind of idea, mm-hmm. to be honest. Yeah, it'd be kind of ruinous um, to the relationship if they did that. Definitely. I was just wondering if perhaps the information came from Martha Kane and somebody in the No Name League possibly acted on it, not on her orders or not on Thomas Wayne's orders. Somebody else got the information and and that's what caused the death of Esme, I suppose. Uh, Another possible as well is Detective Inspector Aziz. We hear him threatening Alfred early on in the episode uh, in the the nightclub that Alfred used to work at. Uh, I think he's now a patron there, is what it seems like, with the amount of money that he's making. I presume he's no longer working the doors of the uh, of the club in Soho. But um, but we have that conversation between uh, D.I. Aziz and, and Alfred where he says to him, does Esme know what you do? Does she know what you're working at? So he knows who Esme is. He knows all about her from the, from the pilot episode. Um, so you're wondering whether um, potentially... This organization, another organization, the the ruling class, I suppose we we would probably call them, um, under the Prime Minister and under Detective Aziz, potentially they are trying to give a warning sign to Alfred to stop him working for the Ravens or for the No Name to keep him back on track. Because you hear Alfred kind of questioning throughout the episode whether he's doing the right thing. Uh, Is it fair of him to hide this side of himself from Esme? Yeah, I mean, this is one of the, I think, even though it's possible, maybe not the most likely, it's the one I kind of want to be the case. I mean, certainly, at least from the shoes, it's probably more likely to be a man, but we don't know that for sure. It mm-hmm. could be a woman wearing trousers, yeah. absolutely. Um, and certainly, I think this, for me, would be really, really intriguing because we've seen, you know, inspectors, he's... Um, he's potentially being just the neutral copper who Mm. would work with Alfred. He's working for the crown, you know, as we've seen. And indeed, he wants and is trying to recruit Alfred to them. So it's this battle between the No Name League and the crown Mm -hmm. for Alfred's services, basically. Um, And I, I think that's a really nice kind of point where this would tip Alfred into pledging his allegiance to the crown and the queen to work with as is oh his allegiance is to the crown she just doesn't pay as well as the rest well of them. that's true yeah, that's <laughs> I, a good line. I, lo- I love that stuff and i love the whole idea of alfred kind of going oh we'll tell the queen i like her as well just make sure that you say it respectfully to her yeah <laughs> really, really like that stuff another possible john yeah is peggy sight maybe uh maybe it, it, it's it's certainly a long shot maybe mm-hmm. but you know Bess has been talking about this this uh woman Esme all the time we don't know to what extent 
Peggy is annoyed that she's left mm-hmm. uh, and is looking out for her sister, possibly. And um, we do see Peggy try and strangle Bet Sykes in in the fight. Yes, and um, you know, as a, as a real threat. It and so it's just that motif of the hands around the neck that this could have been. Peggy Sykes traveling down to effectively protect her sister from this um, this other unknown woman, as far as she is concerned, in Esme, yeah. and one that most likely got her into the position of uh, almost being hung uh, exactly. and, and killed. So, is this the protective sister? We don't know, uh, and certainly the the hands clasped around the neck would suggest uh, a familiarity which we've seen earlier in the episode mm. with the fight between Peggy and Beck. So, yeah, I think that's an interesting one for sure because I really hope we see Peggy Sykes um, in the show oh, for, yeah. for longer. I oh, think yeah. uh, you know she's really, really good. Yeah, yeah. So it's possible that it's her. I think though most likely candidate which means it's probably not going to be her and <laughs> the most likely candidate is probably bet sykes we already know that she knows esme's address now she doesn't know the new address though uh, this is the new apartment yeah, of exactly. alfred and esme so she doesn't know the address but she was definitely keeping tabs on her and definitely heading to london to meet up with esme if bet sykes didn't kill esme what do you think it's going to do to her to get to london and find out that somebody has murdered the person that she's going to meet up with. And that's why, even though we've put her as the most likely, mm-hmm. I think the story potentially is better where she isn't the one that killed her, but she is the one that's maybe more distraught about losing Esme than Alfred. Mm-hmm. And again, it, I think that's an important point. I don't think she knows where this new apartment is. Yeah. Um, okay, we don't know the times here, and, and maybe there's time jumps and so on, but yeah. that's not really explicitly made obvious here yeah. at all. Um, whereas I suspect that the good old detective inspector, as is, has been following her. You know, has he obviously knows about her, He's talked to Alfred about her mm-hmm. and so may have more of an idea that they have moved and this is the new address. Absolutely. Or is this all just retaliation from the Raven Society for what they did up in the town? Is this all to do with backlash about them finding out about the new leader of the Raven Society? So loads of options. I actually really do like how this played in the episode. I know losing a major character and someone that we thought was actually going to be involved in the show for quite a long time. I know it's quite a big thing to have a major character dying in the fourth episode. I love how it plays in here. And particularly, I know it's a trope, a TV trope, that killing off the girlfriend to give motivation to the to the main character. Um, but I think when you have effectively an underground war going on, which is how it's described by Aziz at the beginning of the episode, you do have to have casualties or else it doesn't mean anything yeah. in a show like this. So uh, unfortunately, it turns out to be the girlfriend being killed at the beginning of the series to give the motivation. But we always knew that Alfred is being a bachelor into his, into his eighties and nineties, you know, he really doesn't have a huge amount of relationships over the years. So we always knew that about the character. So this always seemed like a doomed relationship from the start, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so sad to, sad to see it go this way, but I think it is a really intriguing point and hopefully a great jumping off point for the show. Yeah, exactly. Cool. I think on to some notes. Yeah. Derek, have you got any notes for this episode? A couple of notes. I loved some of the lines in the episode. I loved when Martha and Alfred are talking in the tea rooms and Martha goes, so when the shit hits the fan, what should I do? And Alfred blankly says to her, 
turn off the fan, I suppose, or stand behind something shitproof. <laughs> Just great little lines. He's always had this deadpan sense of humor. This uh, the Alfred, all the Alfreds have always had that deadpan sense of humor. And I think it, it plays out quite well here. Um, some interesting ones, the background on the TV. Um, when I think it's when uh, Mr. Pennyworth is sitting with Esme and you hear on the news about uh, German Chancellor Braun talking about the the German Reich and its existence and bringing in uh, Holland. I think it is they're going to yes, bring the in Netherlands. Yeah. Netherlands, yeah, they're going to bring them into the into the Reich. So it seems like in this version of the DC universe in London, it seems like there's been a different outcome to the war, possibly. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, so that's very interesting because obviously it it plays into Alfred and and his his group of of boys. You know, they could still be fighting that. World War Two that could have still been going on for these you know fifteen twenty years after uh, after World War Two ended in our universe that this world war could still be going on um, so that's quite interesting that that adds a little uh, twist to the universe yeah we have another great sort of deadpan line we have Detective Aziz asking Alfred to join you know with him with the government. Uh, and and that he could command an army and Alfie points at the erotic dancer saying that dancer over there could invade Russia all on her own me (laughs) I won't be commanding anyone anytime yes absolutely he kind of wants to be in between the cracks and make all the money I do love that that little line about the about the dancer that's really really good um one of the one I just wanted to point out about the Dusty Springfield song, Dusty Springfield is probably very well known as a lesbian singer from the 60s. She's very well known and eventually um, was very much out about her long-term relationship with her with her partner. Um, I just like that Beth is so attracted by the song. It just says a lot about Beth Sykes' character in this show to be so attracted to the Dusty Springfield song. Yeah. Um, I think it's a really good music choice. If you watch Five Seasons of Gotham, particularly the first two or three seasons where they had a huge amount of budget that they could spend on on uh, copyrighted music. Um, you absolutely could tell when they added in songs to the show. They were always really interesting, really different. And there was always a reason behind them, even naming a lot of the episodes after songs as well over the years. So, yeah. uh, so when you hear a good song on the show, there's usually a good reason it's in there. And I think choosing uh, to have Dusty Springfield represent the personality of Beth Sykes is great. And as well, at the end of the episode, as Alfred is running towards the body of Esme or the what he thinks is something bad's gone on in his apartment, is a second Dusty Springfield song as well, which makes me think it's Beth Sykes. Ah, okay. Good, cool. Yeah. There you go. And one final one, Cliff Richard and the Shadows. Every every granddad's favorite band. Um, they broke up in 1968. The show is set in roughly 1963. So the announcement on the television that Cliff Richard and the Shadows have broken up uh, is five years too early. But what's interesting about it is they say the Minister for Culture couldn't be reached for comment. So I think it's quite interesting because it does, again, give another layer to the society that's going on in the UK in this version of London in the DC Comics because... Would you ask, you know, when Take That broke up in the 90s, would you ask the Minister for Culture for a comment on them breaking up? So I like this idea that you wouldn't really go to a minister to talk about it, but is there something very different in this world? But I'm just wondering, was Lord Harwood, he was a minister, was he Minister for Culture? I can't remember Oh, wow, John. That's just throwing me right there. Yeah, we'll have to come back to you <laughs> next episode. I like that. I like that. Yeah. See, this is what happens when you record two episodes a week. Loads of uh, loads of stuff could happen that you're not not aware of. Finally, because we always do a little pennyworth phrase, John, can we can we talk about who is Gordon Bennett? I think we can. <laughs> I think we have to because yeah. we grew up 
in in the seventies, eighties, and nineties, there was a TV show called Only Fools and Horses, which everybody knows in in the UK. They use this phrase Gordon Bennett all the time, and it's only when Martha Wayne looks at. Uh, Alfred and goes, who's Gordon Bennett? Why are you saying that? What's yeah. Why is that coming? That we actually looked up who this character of Gordon Bennett was. It's quite an interesting one. And I, I think they know the origin of this phrase on the show. I think uh, Bruno Heller is putting this in as a little a little nod for people that do know. So now you're going to know what it, what it means. Uh, Gordon Bennett was a socialite um, in New York. His father ran the, the New York Post. Uh, he took over uh, in that position after his father uh, gave up the position. But he was a socialite who had a huge, huge purse of wealth, purse of monies, effectively, uh, that he used to effectively drink and, and socialize uh, and kind of embarrass himself quite a lot. Um, he would spend a lot of money on women, a lot of money on, on going out and partying. And I think the reason why it's used in here, so effectively, sorry, you would use the actual phrase Gordon Bennett when you heard a shocking, very surprising, or maybe unbelievable story, you'd go Gordon Bennett, as in what's he done this time kind of yeah. thing. That's where the, the phrase came from. But I think the reason why they use this specifically and had Martha Wayne go, who's that, is because it sounds very similar to that persona that Bruce Wayne adopts when he has when he wants to prove that he's not Batman. The, the idea of throwing lots of cash around and being a bit of a pariah on the upper class society of Gotham. This idea that Bruce Wayne has all the money in the world, but he's a little bit uncouth, a little bit not society bound he'll do whatever he wants to because he has the money to do it that's kind of what gordon bennett was like so so i like the touch a little bit of history a little bit of interesting story there from uh, from this one line of the show so some good stuff going on this episode yeah absolutely good stuff overall john we're at that point how would you rate pennyworth episode four lady penelope I would give this four scotch eggs out of five. Right. I, for me, this is my favourite episode uh, so far. I, I absolutely loved Peggy uh, and Bet's interaction and, and the fight. It just, you know, warring sisters. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was so good. And I loved the vibe of the village and with Martha and Alfred investigating. It was creepy. It was Wickerman-esque. It had weird maypole dancers. I thought that uh, Francis Gaunt was absolutely fantastic as this sort of slightly off-centre, slightly kooky leader of the Raven Society. Mm -hmm. Plus, we have this huge moment of Martha and Alfred kissing. Will that go anywhere? Will it not? Let's find out. We have Esme's death. Who killed her? You know, let's let's get sort of all um, Poirot on this because, you know, it, it has that vibe. It's almost like, you know, death on the Nile or something like that. Who has done this? I, I'm really intrigued. It's a shame that Esme is gone, but I do feel that her story was probably done way too rapidly. Yeah. Uh, and it was just a little bit like a roller coaster ride uh, of... It's on, it's off, it's on, it's off, or it's engaged, kissing Martha, off, dead. Yeah. And I think that's a shame. I think this could have made um, a lot more sense to give something to Alfred's character mm-hmm. that we know about from him being Bruce Wayne's butler. Um, and that confidant and effectively right-hand man mm-hmm. at Wayne Manor. So maybe there will be someone else who you know could also impact that maybe it's martha who knows but there's a lot of intrigue here yeah. and i really liked it it's both a shame that esme is gone but i i think also 
if it was if her character was going to be written the way that it had been so far, right. well then it might be a uh, you know time that she did um, leave the the series, yeah, um, because it, it it was a little bit too sort of. Um, blowing in the wind really it felt a bit for me um you just didn't quite know which direction this character was going in yeah and and by that i also mean with alfred it not just with herself it just seemed way too strange uh for me and some of the choices were a little weird but still the impact of her death and in this episode it you know her moments were really good so I think there's a huge amount in, in here that is really, really excellent stuff. Yeah. And uh, you could argue I should make this a little higher, but uh, I'm going to give it four scotch eggs out of five. I was going to, you know, scotch eggs is the big thing, isn't it? You have to have the full scotch egg. You can't have half a scotch egg, basically. You have no, to have exactly. the full thing. So, uh, I do love uh, Alfred's line explaining that, you know, it's an egg inside of a sausage inside of breadcrumbs i have no idea how to do it <laughs> let's get on to some feedback for this episode onto our royal mail section before you go be a love put stamps on them pop them in a letterbox for me you know i can't do that you can uh, Patrick Lemke over on our Facebook page says, loved Thomas Wayne's line about Gotham 20 years later. Gotham will be safe, he says, until he ends up in that alleyway. Absolutely. A great callback in this episode, having a father, a mother, and their son walking a back alley in London, down past Lord Harwood, who tries to ask them for some money, and they beat him back and run away. Yeah. That is definitely a callback to the final fate of the yeah, Waynes. Definitely. Isn't it? Yeah, really, really good touch. Uh, over on Twitter, Amon Creates says, Here's my big pennyworth speculation. Alfred was Bruce Wayne's real father all along. The No Name League had set up Thomas and Martha's marriage with him as their butler as some deep cover-up interesting yes that's massive that's that's a massive massive theory i'm not sure whether they'll change the entire dc universe by making thomas no longer bruce's father just someone just a work colleague of martha and covering up the relationship of alfred as being the father of bruce it would change everything wouldn't it but again i think you know we've said is this thing part of a cover you know, yeah. as I say, will Wayne Enterprises be a subversive left-wing organization <laughs> cloaked in corporate capitalism in order to spread the wealth amongst Gotham? I think I'd accept that. I think I'd be perfectly happy with that. And again, <laughs> I'd be perfectly happy if it turned out that this show was going to be Thomas and Alfred occasionally teaming up with Martha, traveling around the world fighting crimes. You know, I think that would be just as good if if the whole cover is actually wealthy businessman Thomas Wayne or Dr. Thomas Wayne and his butler, Alfred, traveling around the world, but actually the two of them are fighting crime. You know, I think that would be a fun uh, little twist of the show, but I'm not sure whether they changed all of Batman history and said that Alfred's the father of Bruce Wayne and that he felt compelled to take care of Bruce because he's his real father after Thomas and Martha died. Um, It would change Batman. Uh, as, as, a, yeah, as a single entity. Why is he avenging his parents when actually one of his parents has been taking care of him for 30 years, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, there is that suggestion. But I like it. Thanks so much for sharing your thoughts with us over our Twitter account. Uh, we're using both Gotham TV Podcast and TV Pod Industries. Uh, Amon Creates uh, shared it on our Twitter handle for Gotham TV Podcast. We're still active on both of them so uh so definitely share your thoughts over on twitter as well uh john do you want to take the last piece of feedback yeah our final bit of feedback is from Teresa. 
Hey guys, I hope you had a fun weekend. Mm-hmm. I just watched episode four of Pennyworth. Holy moly, this is getting complicated. It's great. First off, the foreshadowing of Bruce Wayne's future with the couple and the little boy. I was very glad that they weren't attacked. I think that would have been too much. I'm wondering who the man was that approached the crying homelessman. Can't wait to find out. Esme, no. I have a feeling because of the conversation Alfred had with the inspector that he either killed Esme or had her killed. How awful of a way for Alfred to find out. Mm -hmm. I was hoping Alfred and Martha wouldn't take things too far. He would have regretted being so in love with Esme. But after Esme was killed, I wondered if, in this version, Bruce would end up being Alfred's son. And that's why the Waynes, maybe with Martha's direction, made Alfred his guardian if anything should happen to them. I love shows that make you think all kinds of things. Will Alfred give in and work for the Queen? I think so. I'm really looking forward to your episode three podcast. I have some catching up to do. Have a terrific week. Yeah, thank you so much, Teresa. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? That one kiss can mean so, so much and get all the the nerve endings (laughs) firing in the brain as to which way this could go. Um, And, you know... It's certainly happening, and it, it is a great talking point. You know, you, you've taken a character like Alfred, where the backstory has been incomplete, and all of a sudden, all these new possibilities of stories and story arcs are coming in. And I think that is the great thing about the Pennyworth show, is that you know what Danny Cannon and the showrunner Bruno Heller have done is taken you know, a character that was beloved in their Gotham run and are really exploring this character in, mm-hmm. in his younger self. And it does. It allows for all these lovely theories to come bubbling up to the surface. Um, yeah, I must say, I'm also just coming to Esme. I wish she hadn't really been killed here. I, I wish there had been a bit more time. and Or maybe I should say that the arc that her and Alfred travelled on had been taken over a longer uh set of, of of the episodes for this yeah. series and um, in fairness I, as i said last episode because the arc was so short and that even one episode they broke up twice and they had the, all the conversations going on it made me dislike her character and not care as much as i should that this has happened in this episode i suppose that i think that's more of what i feel these three episodes have had so much just drama after drama after drama that wasn't necessary, that it made me dislike Esme more than anything else, um, rather than me feeling really sad that Alfred's lost her, which I should be feeling in this episode. I'm kind of going, okay, well, that story's done with. Um, and it's a really intriguing idea as to who killed her is now more intriguing to me than anything that was going on in those first couple of episodes, unfortunately. And, and I hate to say that. I, I, I hate when things aren't going the way that I want them to go in shows, but um, but I kind of do like this impetus now where we have a big investigation going on who murdered esme willikins yeah absolutely and i think i'm totally with you i definitely feel it is the inspector dare i say it an inspector called absolutely and then killed her yeah i mean i'm very intrigued by that as well and Teresa, we did talk about it earlier on the homeless man in the street is not just any old homeless man that's uh, that that is harwood and that's how far he's fallen from being the leader of the raven society to being on the street and effectively turning into the pet 
of a homeless kid. Um, you probably noticed that the second time you watched the episode. You know, there was so much going on. And if you watch these episodes back to back, episode three and episode four, there may be little things that you missed in the episode. But it certainly made you think loads of stuff going on in here. Thanks so much for emailing us your feedback. If you want to email us your feedback or your thoughts on any of the episodes of Pennyworth as they're airing, you can email us at feedback at TV Podcast Industries. Yeah, and thank you to everyone for your feedback on this episode. It's really, really appreciated. Yeah. Some good theories out there. I'm liking it a lot. Absolutely. We're building up in this show. There's so much going on. We've still got quite a few episodes left in the show. And I think now it's settled, if it settles into this weekly pace from now on, we're going to start getting more and more theories out of it. So really excited to see any of your thoughts as we go on uh, as we always say over on tv podcast industries if you're enjoying the podcast share it share it with friends share it with people that are into these shows share it with other people that might enjoy listening to our podcast and our thoughts and might enjoy interacting with us and telling us what their thoughts and their theories about the show is uh, it's a small niche show at the moment remember it's on a very small network in the u.s so it's not got a huge audience so tell them about our podcast and tell them maybe they maybe they want to find a podcast that talks about the show like like they do yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Governors, for joining us uh, for uh, episode four. We'll be back very soon with our review of Pennyworth episode five, entitled Shirley Bassey. Oh, yes. Got to be a Bond theme tune in there, right? Oh, it's a bit gold fingering to me. <laughs> Maybe, but we'll find out on Sunday. We'll see the fifth episode of Pennyworth. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk to you again next time. Thank you so much, Governors, for joining us. As always, it's a pleasure speaking with you. I'm off to Boston Wassets to the Darkness Tea Room. Uh, they have the best baps in the village. I <laughs> saw that on the sign too. That's yeah, hilarious. <laughs> but I'll probably just grab a gin. Yes. <laughs> Bye. Bye.